you life is short it's too short to live depressed it's too short to live anxious and it's too short to struggle every day with thinking about taking your life i want to challenge you tonight to get up that you're not quitting tonight that one day it is appointed unto all men to die but that is god's responsibility not mine and so i don't know who i'm preaching to tonight but i want to say to you get up your future is brighter than your past i want to say to you in the balcony get up your ladder is greater than your former i want to say to every person in this room get up because the best is still yet to come i got a god who works miracles come on and worship him in this Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have heard on this podcast. Welcome to Sober is Dope. Sober is Dope is not affiliated with AA or any 12-step program. We support people's right to drink and have fun. We believe in a live and let live approach to sobriety. This show is intended to highlight the benefits of a sober life. We want to encourage healing and transformation. This show is for anyone that is struggling with alcohol, drugs, or addiction of any kind. I am Pop Buchanan. I am a recovering alcoholic. I am proud to share my story. Welcome to Sober is Dope. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Sober is Dope podcast with your host, Pop Buchanan. We are powered up today. I am very excited to bring you another episode in our mental health series. Our last episode talked about depression and neuroplasticity and ways in which we could improve our brain health and our neural connections to help us combat depression, anxiety, and um, improve our mental health. And today I wanna elaborate a little bit more on the term and concept of mindfulness. So one of the terms you heard in our last episode was uh, mindfulness, meditation, and positive thought reinforcements and doing things to help improve our overall mental health um, to encourage neurogenesis, which is the growth of new brain cells, and also neuroplasticity um, to help our brain um, change in a positive way because neuroplasticity is how our brain changes through time and how lifestyle factors and environmental factors contribute to these changes, right? And we want our brains to heal and to transform in a positive way to encourage better mental health, all right? So the whole purpose of this um, series is to one, bring awareness to the mental health crisis, to give people real solid solutions. Before I start, I wanna thank Dr. Tracy Marks. You can find her on YouTube. Um, she She's a, a, a psychologist who really breaks down a lot of complex um, mental health issues and psychological issues in a very digestible way. And I just want to thank her for her information. I tend to gravitate towards people who have the ability to really explain things in a way in which I could really grasp the concepts and then regurgitate it to you. So I want to thank her because during the mental health series, I'm using a lot of her content and stuff like that to help us on our sobriety journeys, our recovery journeys, and our mental health journeys. So, in regards to this episode, I want to go over some details and um, give us some more valuable advice on how we could utilize mindfulness to improve our mental health. I want to start off by talking about medication and um, and mental health. And according to a STAR-D study from the National Institute on Mental Health, 
a third of people did not respond to medication trials all right in this study and this is called treatment resistant depression and right now currently in 2019 this is a big problem and you know scientists psychologists and everyone are thinking about you know ways in which we can improve our mental health outside of medication uh, medication is definitely one of a one of the positive staples and i encourage it they call that pharmacotherapy and i definitely think that if you if your doctor prescribes you medication you should take it um i took medication and it helped me in conjunction with other things that i was doing so i didn't have to stay on medication for a long time when i initially um i don't even know if i was diagnosed I just know my doctor my psych my psychiatrist told me that my serotonin levels were so low that although I appeared normal I was on a scale she said she she put it like this from a scale of one to ten in the happiness category she said a normal human being would dance around seven to ten she said I was on a one and two but I appeared totally normal. I was very animated. I was very excited all the time. I was very talkative and I seemed very normal, but she was like, based on your blood results and a lot of your your psychosocial, you're on a one and two. So we need to give you this medication to help bring your serotonin levels in your brain up to a normal level. And you know, I, I just was like, look, whatever, whatever, whatever I need to do to get better, I'm all in. You know, I had an all in approach to my recovery and I listened to my counselors. I listened to my doctors. I listened to my therapist. I listened to my psychiatrist. I was not playing. I was playing for keeps. When I decided to transform my life, I was playing for keeps. And this is one of the reasons why I'm no longer suffering from mental health today i transformed my health um uh, my, my, my i'm no longer pre-diabetic um i'm at a healthy weight i feel better um uh, and i don't have no issues with my drinking my alcoholism is a thing of the past i don't have i don't need to go to meetings every day i feel like i'm totally healed and that's why i'm sharing my story with you guys because I believe if you if you utilize all of the research and the tools that's allotted to us and you take it seriously and you go all in and you don't take any shortcuts because when you take shortcuts you're only cheating yourself and I made a vow if I'm gonna find my sobriety and transform my life I have to go all the way and I have to do the work and I can't cheat myself because cheating the process is just gonna negatively impact me so I'm a, I say all of that be, to, to um, hit, bring home the point that medication is very important. But according to the Star D study, ladies and gentlemen, a third of people who take medication, they don't respond to it. It doesn't really help. Um, and I think that's where the larger mental health issue is um, coming from. I think a lot of people who are out there and they're actively vocalizing the fact that they suffer from mental health and that they're depressed, I think that the medication may not always respond to every single person. So the purpose of this episode is to give us some insight on that and to give us alternatives. Now, there was a study that suggested that mindfulness can positively impact our mental health better than medication in the long long term. And we're going to talk about that now, mindfulness versus medication. And I just want to just say, I think that we the, the point of this is to just give us another tool. So I would like to support the theory of mindfulness plus medi medication. All right. So here we go. Is mindfulness better than medication? We now see depression as a poor connection between the neurons. We also recognize that practicing psychotherapy and mindfulness improves neural connections. Research suggests that mindfulness can be more effective in the long term versus medication. To explain this more, we have to look at mindfulness. Mindfulness is the attention of being in the present and the now. Attention to here and now and being fully present in the moment. You are experiencing the moment 
in a non-judgmental way when you are dealing with mindfulness. Experiencing a moment is different than thinking about it. Most people with mental health tend to spend too much time thinking and processing thoughts rather than experiencing them. I can relate to this a lot. The mind is always working and overworking and overworking and overworking. And this tends to stress us out. We have to remember that our thoughts can be our friend or our thoughts can be our enemy. Friendly thoughts look like create creative thoughts, happy thoughts, positive thoughts, and thoughts that help you figure out problems to solutions. Unfriendly thoughts can be stressful, fearful, negative, a lot of worry, and tend, and they tend to ruminate. And this rumination is thinking about something over and over and over and over again. And these negative thoughts or unfriendly thoughts can tell you negative things about yourself. Okay? So, managing thoughts are very important. In an article from Science Magazine in 2010, researchers talked about the normal default mode of the brain right and this normal default mode so ladies and gentlemen i want you to remember this this is important most of us in mental health are victims of our default brain mode all right so we have to kind of find creative ways to snap us out of our default brain mode okay and this default brain mode is to wonder and think about things from the past and present So with mental health, we tend to think about things in the past over and over. We tend to think about things in the past. And we're encouraging us to be mindful of this. This form of brain default mode and thinking about things in the past and wondering is called stimulus independent thoughts. And this default mode of the brain has an emotional cost on us in the mental health community and as humans, all right? So when we, when we default to this primitive part of our brain that tends to make us really live in the past and the, and the, and the present and, 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 and our thoughts become our enemies and they just kind of get out of control we kind of replay negative thoughts and things and ideas and we let these thoughts ruminate and grow and i like to call this toxic imaginations i think when we live in the past and we live on in a negative and we let our thoughts run it tend to create toxic imaginations toxic thoughts toxic feelings and toxic emotions all right, so we have to understand that there's an emotional cost, all right, staying in the default brain mode. And this is very important, ladies and gentlemen. People are more happy in the present moment with focused thought and are less happy when thoughts wander. So if you if you just keep that in mind, this is science, this is real. So sometimes these little simple ideas sound very basic on paper, but it's so powerful. Because for me now, I know from this day forward, when my thoughts start to wander, that's my thoughts and my brain trying to control me, but we have consciousness. So... Your consciousness, you could be, you could consciously snap yourself out of a negative default brain mode by saying, nope, I'm not letting my thoughts wander. Let me get back focused, get back on track, boom, just get back in the present, all right? So people tend to be more happy in the present moment with focused thoughts and less happy when thoughts wander. And this is considered an overactive mind. And an overactive mind creates disease, not necessarily disease, I meant dis-ease. But you see the connection between dis- disease and dis-ease, all right, and distress. So we have to watch out for that default brain mode. How is this related to brain function, right? 
research researchers categorize depression as less connectivity between neurons in certain parts of the brain that regulate and process our emotions let's say that again ladies and gentlemen remember in our episode on neuroplasticity this was the connection as our brains change from a negative life event and environmental factors it created less it, it changed as a result of that change there was less connectivity between our neurons and certain parts of our brain so the chemicals couldn't get from one part of our brain the neurotransmitter chemicals couldn't get from one part of our brain neuron to the next part right so we were missing out on these vital chemicals like dopamine norepinephrine and serotonin so this is more this is us elaborating on this a little bit more so this is a piggyback episode from episode one and we i just really want to stay here for a minute because it's important for us to understand so let's i'm gonna go over this one more time so we get it um depression is categorized according to researchers as less connectivity between neurons in certain parts of the brain that regulate and process our emotions this part of the brain is called the frontal parietal network that's the frontal parietal network the default brain mode equals hyperconnectivity. this region of the brain deals with self-reflection and also deals with emotional appraisal now ladies and gentlemen this is very important because part of mental health is having a negative outlook and a negative mindset, right? And we tend to really feel crappy about ourselves and we feel like it's everyone's against us. We tend to feel like we have more of a victim mindset because life can be crappy sometimes. And this is just simply because of less connectivity between our neurons and certain parts of the brain that regulate our processing emotions and this part of our brain say it with me the frontal parietal network is where we tend to have hyperconnectivity and self-reflection and this self-reflection how we look at ourselves deal with our emotional appraisal now ladies and gentlemen i connected here this is some this really helped me out a lot because this is where we tend to beat up on ourselves and we tend to really just talk, our self-talk. This is where negative self-talk comes into play, right? So an emotional appraisal is when we form judgments about a situation. So I'm going to give you one, ex two examples of the same situation. and I'm going to attempt to show you what a negative appraisal looked like versus a positive appraisal. For example, let's just say we lose our job, right? And a negative appraisal can look like this. My life sucks. What's the point? I can't get another job. I hate everyone. Everyone else hates me. I can't catch a break. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Right? This is a negative appraisal, right? And this is a hopeless appraisal. And a different example could be of a positive appraisal. I lost my job. You know what? This may be a blessing in disguise. Everything happens for a reason. Let me focus on a possible career change. I know I always should. I always want to go back to school. Maybe it's the time I could get. I could get some new education. Maybe I could start a side business, or maybe I could just find an alternative for now. But. It's all good, right? That's a positive appraisal. So that's going from a hopeless um, negative appraisal to a hopeful positive appraisal, right? And this is part of the negative self-talk that we have to check because when a negative situation happens in our life or in our depression, we tend to deal with our default brain mode, all right? And that default brain mode handles our and regulate our emotions so now we're going back to our emotions right and if you just you can't control your emotions then you're gonna let your brain run roughshod all over you and you're gonna wind up feeling crappy right and this is not what we want all right moving along depression 
um, tends to focus on negative things and wallow in the negative self-appraisal. This is considered rumination when our thoughts just wander and just go totally out of control and just totally gets crazy. This was my issue. I would think about one thing and it would just constantly grow. Then it would lead to these toxic imaginations. And then eventually I would just be very sad. You know, we tend to we tend to deal with this when we have a breakup, when someone that we really love, we lose someone that we really love and we can't get out of that negative thought pattern of what they're doing, what they up to. Can't believe they dumped me. Can't believe that person. I gave them so much and we keep reliving it. And years later, you could bring up that person's name and it could trigger all of those negative emotions. We have to change the narrative and we can't allow our brains to wander. All right, that's toxic. Toxic wandering is bad. All right. Depression also equals loose connections in the frontal parietal network. All right. Tight connection in um, the brain default network. So, ladies and gentlemen, the more depressed we become, the more loose the connections in our frontal parietal network are going to be, all right? But when we practice mindfulness, we could tighten those connections in the brief or um, we, could, we could tighten these connections, right? And we could help, we could help um, improve the connectivity between our neurons because we're gonna we're going to be in the present. So practicing mindfulness, all right, snaps us out of this default brain mode and puts us in a more positive space. All right. So what's the end result, ladies and gentlemen? Poor ability to regulate your mood. Too much time ruminating on negative thoughts. This is where mindfulness comes to our rescue, all right? So depression leads to poor ability to regulate our mood, which it sucks, because that means you have no control. And a lot of this podcast and the point of the mental health series is taking back our power, right? I want us to take back our power. Say it with me, ladies and gentlemen. I'm taking back my power. That means that you're going to have an improved ability to regulate your mood, right? And you're going to spend less time ruminating on negative things and negative thoughts. Less time. As soon as a negative thought enters your mind, you have to say, nope, I'm refocusing in the present. I'm have positive affirmations. I'm going to say a prayer. I'm going to think about everything that I have gratitude for. I'm going to be very excited. The fact that I'm alive, I don't have any diseases. I'm not dying. I have, I live to fight another day. That's that. All right. But mindfulness truly comes to the rescue when our minds run out of control and tend to ruminate. Right. Since mindfulness helps reduce critical thoughts, it strengthens the connectivity in the frontal parietal network and weakens the connectivity in the default network. So in conclusion, practicing mindfulness on a regular basis 10 once a day can can um really improve our mental health ladies and gentlemen all right being more present slowing down you know walking slower um noticing our environment this was really helpful for me because i'm one of those people who walks really fast and i tend to be like total tunnel vision and i could walk from one place to another and not really notice the people not not, not necessarily looking at the people noticing the cars noticing the sun what color the trees you know mindfulness is taking you out of your head and actually slowing down and appreciating the environment right especially when i'm eating how many of you eat and you just chewing 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 you're not taking time to think about the food actually taste the flavor of the food you know now when i eat i tend to try to guess how much what ingredients are in there if i could taste cinnamon if how much salt did they use sea salt versus regular salt what type of oil i mean being mindful can really snap us out of a negative mind chatter the negative ruminations of depression and in time this really strengthens the connectivity of our neurons and our brain and our frontal parietal network which deals with our emotions 
emotional processes. So this is talking about our emotional health. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Also, guided meditations can help with mindfulness. Positive affirmations can help with mindfulness. Prayer can definitely help you with mindfulness. Every time I have a negative thought, I shut everything down and start praying. All right. I shut everything down and start praying. All right, ladies and gentlemen. So remember, we have power. All right. We don't have to be depressed all the time. We don't have to have negative emotional appraisals. Let's focus on positive emotional appraisals. Let's be less judgmental about situations in our lives. Let's be less judgmental of ourselves. Let's give ourselves a break. Oh, you always hear this on this podcast. Give yourself a break. You're only human, which means you're great. It means that God created you. So being human, you know, I'm, I'm a man of God. And, you know, being human suggests that we're greater than the angels. We was crowned with more glory than the angels and given dominion over all living things on the planet. So we're great. Right. So give yourself some credit. All right. Be compassionate about yourself. Love yourself. Be compassionate about your brain. Be mindful of the food you eat. Mindful of the things that you say. And listen, ladies and gentlemen, go back and listen to the former episode we did called The Biology of Belief. All right. Dr. Bruce Lipton proved scientifically that you can improve your whole cellular environment, your whole health by changing your thoughts alone, by thinking more positive. So when you're at when you're not at ease, you tend to create disease. Right. When we're not at peace, we tend to get sick. All right. Mentally sick, physically sick. So we want to be healthy, mental health, physical health, spiritual health, psychological health. It's real and we really can make progress. So going back to our original question, is mindfulness better than medication? That's really up in the air. We suggest that you use your psychotherapy in conjunction with mindfulness and pharmacotherapy. That means include your medication. So I think, look, here we go. We change our diets. We practice healthy sleep. When I say change your diets, if you're suffering from mental health, you cannot eat junk food. Get rid of the junk food. Have to eat real food, a lot of vegetables, a lot of fresh water. All right. Cut out the juices. Well, I don't care if it's orange juice. It's just packed with sugar. Sugar clinically and scientifically has been proven to help to cause depression. All right. Excessive sugar. All right. You want to have a stabilized cellular environment. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am not trying to preach. I'm telling you guys the truth. Right. These are the things that we can do. We can take action. And by taking action, we can take back our power. So, look, you practice mindfulness. Right. You take control of your frontal parietal network and your emotions by snapping yourself out of the ruminations of senseless thought and negative thought. We're not letting our thoughts go crazy anymore. So when somebody says, oh, you daydreaming, snap out of it. We don't have time to daydream. All right. Have a plan. Write down a journal. So, ladies and gentlemen, this is this episode. This episode is going to be called um, Mindfulness and Depression and Mindfulness. And this is a piggyback episode off of, courtesy of Dr. Tracy Marks, uh, off of our last episode, Depression and Neuroplasticity. So, how can we change our brain through time in a positive way? All right. If we're depressed, that means our brain changed. And when it changed, the connections between our neurons and the frontal parietal network became loose, meaning that that connectivity was less, um, less powerful. And therefore, dopamine, serotonin and norepinephrine couldn't can't get to these areas. So there's a problem there. Right. That that problem leads to negative thoughts, negative emotional appraisals and sadness and depression and and, and sense of um, distress. All right. And panic and anxiety and feeling like you're trapped and feeling like, you know, there's no you have no way out. So I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, by by practicing mindfulness, you can help strengthen the connections between your neurons, your neurotransmitters and your frontal parietal network, which deals with your emotions. All right. 
You're listening to the Sober's Dope Podcast. I'm your host, Pop Buchanan. I'm going to cut to a message from our sponsor, and then I'm going to play. Um, I'm going I'm to I'm give you guys some more techniques on mindfulness, and then we're going to close out the podcast with a message from Dr. Tracy Marks, just reiterating everything that I regurgitated to you in her eloquent, doctor-like way. And you're listening to our mental health series. I hope I'm bringing you guys value. And last but not least, lady, ladies and gentlemen, I know mental health is a sensitive issue. And I know most of you tried, may have felt like you, you're on your medications and you, you read everything and you tried everything and this, you feel you may feel hopeless. I want you to know I'm not talking down to you guys. I suffer from mental, I suffered from mental health. I was clinically depressed. I was on Wellbutrin. I never really said it, but I was on Wellbutrin for about six months to a year. My serotonin levels crashed. I had no dopamine levels. Of being a staunch alcoholic, I just totally depleted all my available dopamine, and I really had to restore my brain. And now all of my vitals, all my um, neurotransmitter chemicals are normal. I'm healthy. I'm positive. I really get sad and depressed if I do. I snap myself out of it because we're gonna get mental health is something that everyone deals with. We all gonna get sad. Every human being gets depressed at some point. The goal is is not stay in a depressive state for too long right we talked about long-term depression dysthymia these are ways in which we can snap ourselves out of this by strengthening our brain and the neural circuitry of our brains and those neural connections all right so i just want you to know i'm very compassionate and i'm not coming at you guys in a negative way when i talk about accountability and i'm kind of putting the ball in our court i'm encouraging empowerment i want us to be empowered i want us to be able to do our research and and, and have knowledge Okay, sometimes we can really do be the difference in our success by studying. It could be one thing, one factor that could be that could create total success in your life. So this gives me hope. Okay, this gives me hope. Like when I was trying to lose weight, I was doing everything. And there was one thing I needed to do that was the X factor in my success, right? And by reading and stuff and doing that one thing, you know, I I, I was able to have to, to, to have no more problems with my health and to reverse my pre-diabetes and everything. So, I mean, I was very frustrated at that point. You know, I was like, I'm doing everything. I can't lose this weight. I don't know what's going on. I'm trying this. I'm trying that. I'm exercising. But I were, you know, doing enough research. I was like, whoa, I just learned this new stuff. Now I have a, whole, a better understanding. And that understanding led to my success. So sometimes looking at the data in a different way, looking at the whole subject of mental health in a different way can be the grand determinant of your success. All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, I wish you all luck. I love you all. Let's get healthy together. Thank you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you enjoyed the first segment, and I'm just going to give you guys some few tips and a better understanding of mindfulness, and then I'm going to get out of your hair. All right, what is mindfulness? All right, um, according to the dictionary, mindfulness is the quality or state of being conscious or aware of something. Okay. 
the quality or state of being mindful, I mean, conscious or aware of something. Okay, so in this case for our mental health, this is being aware of negative thoughts and snapping ourselves back and reinforcing that with positive thoughts. Being aware of negative self-appraisal, negative emotional appraisal, and being um, and bringing us back to a positive emotional appraisal. Second definition, a mental state achieved by focusing one's awareness on the present moment while calmly acknowledging and accepting one's feelings, thoughts, and bodily sensations used as a therapeutic technique. Ladies and gentlemen, I really love this definition here. A mental state achieved, okay, achieved, meaning that we have to do some work here by focusing one's awareness on the present moment, right? So this is all about what we just spoke about in the first part. While calmly acknowledging and acceptance one's feelings, thoughts, and bodily sensations used as a therapeutic technique, right? And according to Wikipedia, mindfulness is a psychological process of purposely bringing one's attention to experiences occurring in the present moment without judgment, which one can develop through the practice of meditation and through other training. As far as psychology, the definition of mindfulness as a practice is described as mindfulness is a way of paying attention that originated in Eastern meditation practices, paying attention in a particular way on purpose in the present moment and non-judgmentally. Mindfulness as a practice, gently bring your attention back to the present. Everyone's mind is going to wonder now and then while they are practicing mindfulness meditation. It is okay to recognize your passing thought and let it go. Once it is gone, take some deep breaths and reset your focus to be in your mindfulness practice. Benefits. It has been found to decrease depressive symptoms anxiety and stress in college students, as well as increasing self-compassion when compared with yoga alone. This is based on a study of Falsify 2016. One of the ways in which mindfulness can help treat to treat depression is through enhancing practitioners' ability to regulate their emotions. All right? This is awesome. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I really, really encourage us, ladies and gentlemen, to really take this seriously. This is something, this is not one of those things that we could just say, oh, okay, I got to remember to be more mindful. If you're struggling with mental health, this has to be your everyday, you have to practice, okay? Part of making a behavior permanent and changing, you know, creating a permanent habit is practice. All right. If we do something over and over again, our brain will lay down a groove called malian, a malian sheet. Right. A malian sheet in your brain is where a, a, a habit is how habits are formed. OK, so if we practice mindfulness every day. And we really become accountable for this. We can change within the next couple of months and over a year or two, always being mindful, having gratitude and bringing yourself back to the present moment and not living in the past, not becoming victim of our toxic imaginations and not letting our thoughts ruminate endlessly. Um, This will help us, ladies and gentlemen. So we have to 
we do the work and we have to really, really, really try to um, practice mindfulness and not just as a fleeting idea. This has to be something that we really try to accomplish on a daily basis. And I'm not talking about you have to do this for 30, 40 minutes a day. I'm talking about, you know, wake up in the morning, be mindful before you go to bed, when you're stressed out, when something bothers you, when your thoughts tend to wonder, bring it back. And I, I would suggest that you may want to add the meditation component to mindfulness. All right, ladies and gentlemen, meditation is not a religion. It's a technique used to calm down our nervous system and our brain and, and, and to help bring our brain into a state of theta. Our brain waves must be in a state of theta, which is a common state. And this helps with our youth. It helps reduce stress and anxiety. And this actually um, helps or with our longevity, we can live a longer, more productive life. All right. Um, here's some ways we can practice mindfulness in a daily in our daily life. Um, eat mindfully. I spoke about that, but write this down, ladies and gentlemen. Here are some tips I'm gonna give you guys to practice your mindfulness techniques. So, if we practice enough of these techniques, we could be practicing mindfulness throughout the day. So, when we eat, be very mindful of what you're eating. Um, and this also goes in hand if you're mindful about eating then you're mindful about what you're eating and you can improve the ingredients and the foods that you eat and this can help with our mental health also walk mindfully so by taking walks this could help get us into um or this could help introduce us into an exercising habit so walking walk more first of all we tend by walking we can help with our mental health but being mindful when we walk you know how many birds are in that one tree there which tree has more leaves all right how many cards are on the road you know notice the kids notice the you know the season the weather the sunlight you know take your time walking you know don't walk so fast slow down practice your breathing all right so this goes to our step three observe your breathing practice mindful breathing so we know that in order to shut down the fight or flight response that that tends to throw our brains out of whack we have we do this through regulating our breathing slowing down and breathing so there's an episode that i did called the 90 second rule i want you guys to go back and listen to the 90 second rule because that gives you practical tips on deactivating the fight or flight or fear response that tends to keep us in a heightened state of anxiety and we tend to we need to practice our breathing and observe our breathing this helps us out a lot connect with your senses all right your feelings all right, your hearing, your eyesight, your smell. All right, connect with your feelings. All right, we're humans, we have to like stop being so numb. A lot of us are numb. I'm very numb over the years, I'm very callous and numb. And I have to relax more, remember to breathe, remember to feel, remember to, you know, when I'm eating and, and I'm breathing, I'm making love, whatever we're doing, whether you're making love, whether you're dancing, whether you're running, whether you're exercising, whether you're hu- let's be more present and mindful and let's connect with our senses all right pause between actions take a break chill for a bit break things up give yourself some time to process one thing before you jump into another listen wholeheartedly that's my problem right now i have a real problem with listening when people speak and that's still kind of a problem with my it's like a lingering issue with my mental health from when I was drinking a lot and I was depressed that's one of the symptoms like you t- but I'm getting better now I turn shut up all right I learned to shut up and listen to people more but I'm still got a long way to go and that's something I'm working on I'm working on it ladies and gentlemen and I want you to work it work on it too listen wholeheartedly um get lost in the thing the get lost in the flow of doing things that we love this goes into what we told spoke about in our last episode being um finding something that you're passionate about finding a cause all right that can help with our mental health and getting and getting lost in the flow of that cause and um doing things that we love in that cause also meditate daily ladies and gentlemen i can't i i think that it should be a requirement 
a requirement if you suffer from any form of mental health. I don't care if it's low-grade, chronic, you know, whatever it is. Meditation should be an everyday practice. Now, listen, I talk a lot of good stuff about meditation, but I don't meditate every day. I practice mindfulness every day and I tend to focus on my breathing every day, but I have to get to an everyday practice. Now I practice every, I meditate every week and I meditate when my stress levels get too high, but I need to commit to meditating every day. Now, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to learn how to meditate without crossing your legs and screaming om. I have a practical book that you can go get. And one of the friends of the Sober is Dope podcast is Light Watkins. Get his new book, Bliss More, because he, he breaks all of the myths about meditation. He makes it very practical and realistic. And he actually teaches us a form of Vedic meditations or transcendental meditation, which is very expensive. Expensive. You have to spend thousands of dollars to study transcendental meditation from a certified TM instructor, right? But, you know, Light Watkins actually gives you all of the basics of TM, but he doesn't label it that way, but he gives you the fundamentals and this helps with um, really, really developing a healthy practice, ladies and gentlemen, okay? So be mindful and meditate daily, okay? I can't stress that, all right? Practice awareness. Be aware of your surroundings, aware of your thoughts, aware of your breathing, aware of the food you're eating, aware of your negative self-talk. Replace your negative self-talk with positive self-talk, Okay? Um, practice purposeful observation. So be very ob- uh, observant, but be purposeful about it. Okay. Um, and practice focused breathing. Um, how to remember to be mindful all the damn time. Set an intention and write it down. Okay. So make it part of your daily intentions to be mindful. Set an intention and write it down. Today I intend to meditate once. Today I intend to eat healthy. Today I intend to be mindful. Today I intend to write down all my negative thoughts and replace them with positive ones. And today I will write in my gratitude journal, which brings me to the next step. Every one of us should have a gratitude journal. Every day, write down three things that you're happy for. They could be the same things from the day before, you you know, but write it down. You know, thank God, you know, whoever you, you know, whatever religion you are, thank you, God. If you don't believe in God, thank the creative universe. Thank the sun, the moon, and the stars. Thank your parents, whatever. But be thankful and have gratitude that you're alive, that you're breathing, and figure out what you have gratitude for and write that down. That's mindfulness. Being mindful of your gratitude and having gratitude and practicing gratitude can really increase the positive neurotransmitted chemicals in your body. Dopamine, serotonin, norepinephrine, all right? Put visual reminders everywhere, okay? So this is important. In my in my room, I have um I have remind I have pictures of my the, my loved ones, my mom and them, and this is all subconscious. I don't look at these pictures every day, but they're there. You know, I have paintings, I have um um, my gemstones everywhere, and you know, I have a lot of little trinkets around my room. You know, my girlfriend, she has her little Star Wars, her Chewbacca, and things that make her happy. And we have all these little trinkets around, and these are things that makes that, that help us to be more mindful of our lives. And um, and um, they're visual reminders to be had to have gratitude to be happy and just that life is good you know sometimes you know you don't need you know most of us think that we're gonna have to make a lot of money to be happy but we know when we make the money it doesn't cure the pain it doesn't you know you have to be happy regardless of your circumstance right and that just comes with having gratitude and being mindful of the good things that you do have going in your life right it's too easy to focus Focus um, on things that just don't really apply to you by comparing yourselves to other people online. That brings me to my next step of mindfulness. Be mindful not to compare yourself to other people. Get off of Instagram. Stop looking at other people's pictures and thinking that their life is better than yours because that will make you depressed. All right? Do not live in comparison to other people. 
Love yourself for who you are, what you are, and appreciate the level of consciousness you're at now. It's okay to want more, but that should not be at your own detriment, okay? Um, have a morning practice, a morning routine. My, mo- I have a very simple morning practice. is to get up on time and to get to work on time, right? And to make sure that I have some, I take my vitamins, I drink my water, I have my bulletproof coffee. I make sure I practice my breathing exercises in the car, and I try to just start my morning off in a positive way. I listen to the Breakfast Club because we're in New York, and I have to get my daily dose of Charlemagne the God. Shout out to Charlemagne and um, DJ Envy. Angela Yee at the Breakfast Club. Um, I have to listen to 1010 Wins. Shout out to John Montone and the 1010 Wins Cran. So that's a New York thing for my New York heads, you know? And then I go into listening to some podcasts. Then I listen to some audio books throughout the day. Brings me to my next thing. Listen to podcasts on mental health. Listen to audio books. Read a lot of novels. Constantly be keeping your attention focused on something that could improve your life, okay? And incorporate all of this into your morning and your daily, your morning practice and your daily ritual. Have regular check-in times, okay? Um, have a regular check-in time with yourself. Like every day at 12 o'clock, I'm going to stop what I'm doing. Right before I have my lunch, I'm going to write out some things that I have gratitude for. I'm going to drink my water. I'm going to do a little two-minute meditation. I'm going to practice some deep breathing. And then I'm going to get myself back into a positive space. Then we do this again at 445. Then we do it again in the evening for figure out your check-in times where you could check in on yourself and do it in a mental health inventory. Okay. Um, slow, um, let me see. Review at the end of the day, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to close it out here. Just be mindful. Um, have a, at the end of the day, have some way of decompressing, take it. My decompression is taking a nice hot shower, drinking my chamomile tea, um, figuring out what I want to do for the podcast the next day, um, connecting, finding like one or two good shows. You know, I know you hear a lot of people out there saying, you know, throw out the TV to be more productive. CEOs don't watch TV, but listen, Part of my mental health is sometimes just letting go. So, for you know, I have my go-to programs that I, I love to watch where it doesn't involve any brain thinking. It doesn't involve anything. I just get to detach from the world and just chill out, get in my own head and relax a little bit. So I don't say watch, don't binge and watch TV all day because that will lead to depression. What I would say is just have your go-to time and your happy time, the things that make you happy, right? Um, and, you know, you know... Um, I'm definitely an advocate for that. So, ladies and gentlemen, um, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Remember, your takeaway points here is practicing mindfulness helps your brain connectivity and it helps the part of your brain called the frontal parietal network and that's the part of your brain that deals with your emotional health and helps regulate your emotional health okay and then also by improving that part of the brain you can help your whole overall neuroplasticity and that helps your vital um, neurotransmitter chemicals get from one part of your brain, which is your neurons, to the parts of your brain, like your hippocampus and prefrontal cortex. And once we can get our dopamine, norepinephrine, and serotonin levels to a healthy state and get them firing all at the same time properly, we can improve our mental health. And these are some of the techniques that we can use to really get there. So practice mindfulness, practice your pharmacotherapy, um, that's taking your medication, and practice, um, you know, every and use these tools to your overall me- for your overall mental health. Ladies and gentlemen, I love you. Enjoy the rest of the podcast. I'll catch you guys on the other side. Please don't forget to leave us reviews, positive reviews, because it helps the podcast get in front of more people people that that needs the actual help and advice okay so remember you don't have to be in active recovery to appreciate the sober is dope podcast sobriety is a state of mind it's a state of life and we are promoting transformation and motivation and how we could be better human beings okay i love you all i'll catch you soon thank you
Is mindfulness better than medication? That's what I'm going to be talking about today. I'm Dr. Tracy Marks, a psychiatrist, and this channel is about mental health education and self-improvement. If you don't want to miss a video, click subscribe and the notification bell. This is a follow-up to a video I did on depression and neuroplasticity. And in that video, I mentioned that we now see depression as a poor connection between the neurons. We also recognize that practicing psychotherapy and mindfulness improves that connectivity. Does it work better than medication for depression? It doesn't work as quickly, but the research shows that it can be more effective in the long term without the side effects of medication. Let me explain. Simply put, mindfulness is attention to the here and now. It's being fully present in the moment, and you're experiencing the present moment in a non-judgmental way. Experiencing any given moment is different from thinking about it. We spend a lot more time thinking and processing thoughts than we do experiencing. And your mind is always working and processing a lot of thoughts every day. And thoughts can be your friend if they're creative and help you figure out a problem. But thoughts can be your enemy if they make you worry, ruminate over things, which is thinking about something over and over again. And thoughts can be your enemy if they tell you negative things about yourself. So managing your thoughts is one of the goals of mindfulness. Why does this matter? In an article from Science Magazine in 2010, researchers talked about how the normal default mode of your brain is to wander and think about things from the past and the present. It's called stimulus-independent thought. And although it's the default mode of your brain, it comes at an emotional cost. That is, they found that people were more unhappy when their thoughts wandered than when they were intentionally thinking about the thing that was currently happening. So an overactive mind creates a sense of dis-ease and distress. Likewise, a mind with more controlled thoughts on the present is less uneasy. How is this related to brain function? Researchers have shown that depression can be characterized as less connectivity between neurons in certain parts of the brain that regulate and process your emotions, more specifically the frontal parietal network. They also found a hyperconnectivity in the default mode network in your brain. The default mode network is a region of your brain that's responsible for self-reflection and emotional appraisal. Emotional appraisal is when you form judgments about a particular situation. So for example, suppose you lose your job and you can't find another one. You could be sitting around thinking about your situation and start focusing on all the negative things that happened to you and come to the conclusion, my life sucks. What's the point? That's one appraisal. Another situation could be that you're thinking about your situation and you think, I hate this. I, I've, I've got to find something else to do. Maybe I need to switch careers. What else can I do? How can I make that happen? Do I need to get more training? The first appraisal is more negative and hopeless. The second appraisal is more hopeful and problem-solving focused. So with depression, you selectively focus on the negative things and wallow in the negative self-appraisal. This is rumination. You can just get lost in the negative thinking. And we see this with the hopelessness of depression. You get this tunnel vision that blocks out the positive thoughts and you get locked into this negative world in your head. So depression equals loose connections in the frontoparietal network and tight connections in the default network. The end result is poor ability to regulate your mood and too much time ruminating on negative things. Here's where mindfulness comes to the rescue. Because mindfulness helps reduce the self-critical thoughts, it strengthens the connectivity in the frontoparietal network and weakens the connectivity in the default mode network. Now, this, of course, is a simplified explanation. If you really want to get into the details of how this happens, look at the reference that I have in the description. But here's an even bigger point in how it can really help treat depression in the long run. Researchers have shown that not only does the practice of mindfulness help during the period that you're doing it, but if you practice it on a regular basis, you get sustained connectivity and therefore improvement in your depression. What's a regular basis? In the studies that I referenced, the participants completed an eight-week program of doing mindfulness exercises on average of 30 minutes to an hour a day. Now, I realize even 30 minutes a day is a lot, and you don't have to start with that. 
But keep in mind that practicing mindfulness doesn't always have to involve sitting in a room with your eyes closed in quiet meditation. You can be in a mindful state in your day-to-day activities. The Mindfulness Attention Awareness Scale is a questionnaire that researchers use to get a sense of a person's baseline level of mindfulness in their everyday activities. And some of the items used on the measure are as follows. I forget a person's name almost as soon as I've been told it for the first time. And I tend to walk quickly to get where I'm going without paying attention to what I'm experiencing along the way. Can you relate to any of these things? These are just a couple of examples of how you can mindlessly engage in everyday activities. And the real practice of mindfulness will involve not only having quiet time, but learning how to be more present and aware throughout your day. So back to the issue of whether or not it's better than medication. For some people, it may be a better option given the potential side effects of medication. However, it doesn't have to be an either or. You can practice mindfulness alongside of your medication treatment. Then once your episode resolves, your mindfulness practice is something you can use to help keep you out of a depression. You can see a therapist who specializes in mindfulness-based cognitive therapy, but to do this on your own, the easiest way to start is to do guided meditations where you listen to someone talk you through the process. And I want to help you get started with this. I have an audio download of a guided meditation, and I challenge you to set aside five to 10 minutes each day to pull away from the busyness of life and be mindful. There is a lot more to mindfulness, but for now, this can help you get started. And I'll have the Mindfulness Attention Awareness Scale for you as well, just so you can get a sense of your own level of mindfulness. These things are free. All you have to do is click the link in the description that will take you to my website. Follow those instructions to get the download. If you're already a part of my email community, then the meditation and the um, awareness scale will already be waiting for you in your inbox. Share this video with someone who you think could use it and talk to me in the comments. See you next time. 